as Solomon prayed, he did so regarding the commitment of God. And he was talking about God's commitment back to his people. And so the wonderful thing about this is, is that God's committed to us. If we'll trust his son, Jesus Christ, as our savior, his word fails not. He promises us heaven is our home if we'll trust his son, Jesus Christ. His word fails not. And it, it was a prayer of thanksgiving for God's faithfulness, for God's mercy, for God's commitment, and for God's promises. And the Lord's word will not fail. He is true and faithful. And when I think about this, there is not one single word that I read in the scriptures. In fact, I met with a young man today, and I was talking with him. And I said, you know, and I've shared this from the pulpit many a time. This is not just any book. This is the word of God. Amen. Not only is it the word of God, it's not just true, it's truth. And so it rises above everything else that we have. And everything that God says has come true or will come true. And the reason is, is because his word fails not. And so even in these passages, he says, there hath not failed one word of all his good promise. (laughs) Everything that God says or everything that God promises, he will fulfill. And so here's the challenge as I thought about this for us this evening. Are you standing on the promises of the word of the Lord? Now, when I say that, you say, well, what are his promises? I share with you, read his word. Read his word and you will begin to understand his promises. There are many, many things that God promises us in, in, in throughout the scriptures. Uh, he, he promises us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. He promises us such things as if we'll draw nigh unto him, he'll draw nigh unto us. Amen. He promises us so many wonderful things and so many wonderful blessings in the scriptures. And it's endless what he says to us that he commits back to us as a people, as believers. And I, I thought about we must have faith that his word does not fail. And you see, he told us, be careful for nothing or be anxious for nothing or don't worry about anything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, he even tells us, don't worry about anything. And, and how many in here would admit tonight you're a worrier sometimes? Anybody? I, I must be the only one because you see the gray hair. I went up to the beautician the other day and I said, I only want you to take out the gray. She said, you're going bald then. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that we worry about things, don't we? I went back uh, to uh, uh, Pennsylvania during my vacation, and my dad saw me. He goes, man, you're getting gray. And I said, thanks, Dad. He said, I think your hair is more gray than mine. He said, what are you worried about? I said, nothing, Dad. Thank you for sharing that with me. (laughs) You know, the hair is getting gray. We must have faith that his word does not fail. Now, there's some facts to to get a hold of here about God's faithfulness. One of the things is, is that understand that prayer is communication with God. That's a fact. Prayer is communication with God. That's a fact. And so he not only teaches us that, but here's the thing. This is so true that God commits promises to us and he'll keep them. God commits promises to us and he'll keep them. And the last thought is this, is that he cares about us. He cares about us because he protects us. If you think that's not so, just go out on to 395 in Washington, D.C. during rush hour. If you think God's not out there, something's wrong. But the thing of it is, is that God protects his people. He protects us. Someone was texting me all day and yesterday and the day before, and I keep getting input about Brett Kavanaugh and this lady, uh, uh, the, the Ford lady, and, and uh, all these things keep influx of all this stuff. And, Pastor, you need to preach on this. And, Pastor, you need to teach on this. And, Pastor, I said, if I was going to teach anything, one, I would teach them, don't lie. Number two, right, 
Don't be false accusers, <laughs> right? Don't bear false witness. Hey, they need to learn some scriptural truths, amen? And, and the thing of it is, is that uh, what I shared with them was, is that uh, it's good to call your senators, your congressmen, whatever position you're holding, call them. Let them know where you stand. But the reality is, prayer is going to change far more than any phone call that I can make. So I want to talk to you about prayer tonight. And I looked at this, and you see, if you go back and you look at the dedication of the temple, you go back to the beginning of chapter 8, and you see the furnishings of the temple back in 7. And then in chapter 8, you see the dedication of the temple. And here we come to this time where he's been praying all this time. And all of a sudden, you come to verse 54, and he makes an end of his prayer. And he arose before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. Now, here's the thing. At the end of services, a lot of times I challenge you, I leave an invitation open. I believe in this old-fashioned altar. And if you can kneel, come on up here and kneel. If you can't, sit on the front row. But listen, we ought to be praying to God in heaven. We ought to be lifting up our prayers. Now, I thought about how wonderful it is that we are given the ability to communicate with our God through prayer. And I think we need to realize as believers, the wonderful thing is this passage teaches of the nation of Israel. But God promised me the day that I got saved, I've been grafted in. I've been brought into that crowd. Amen. So the promises that he makes are the promises that he keeps. And I think Jesus Christ opened that door. And the wonderful thing is, man, woman, child, teen, whatever your age, God's there and he wants to communicate with you. And so I want you to think about what he's teaching us here in verse 54. And he said, And when Solomon had made an end of his prayer, all this prayer and supplication unto the Lord, he arose before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread to heaven. And he stood and he blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord. One of the things about prayer is this. Prayer is a time of worship. Prayer is a time of worship. And we need to remember this. Now, Solomon had no doubt that God heard what he had said. And and here's the thing. When you pray, you shouldn't pray doubting. You should pray believing. Pray believing. Listen, Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. You ought to write this down. Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. The Bible clearly teaches us this, to have faith in God. Pray believing. You see, nothing doubting. We ought to not doubt that God's going to answer our prayer. Now, here's why we doubt. Let me tell you the challenge that you're faced with, why you doubt. Because perhaps the prayer that you're praying, you don't believe God's going to answer it because maybe you want something that he doesn't desire for you to have. Maybe it's something that you think, well, he'll withhold this from me. This is something that I want or I desire, or maybe it's the lust of the flesh, or the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. And sometimes we doubt whether God's going to answer our prayers, because sometimes he teaches us that we want to consume things upon our own lust. And the reality is, is that if I have God in mind, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Now, you say, well, that's difficult to understand. No, it's not. The word of God is the will of God. How many of you pray diligently for folks to be saved? That is the will of God, and you pray for them to be saved. How many of you pray for our missionaries and and, and pray that God bless them and God use them? Listen, that's the will of God that the word of God be spread. You don't have to doubt those kinds of things. Here's the thing, though. We hit a hard spot in our finances, maybe, and we begin to do what? Doubt God. Now, There are times when those things occur in our households, and it could be due to our own carelessness with our finances. But sometimes we hit a bump in the road, and we're thinking, oh, my, 
And it's not necessarily any fault laid, but things happen in our lives. And many of you have health insurance today, and I say health insurance lightly because sometimes it's just not what it's supposed to be, amen? And you go to the doctors, and then you come home from the doctors, and you realize I now have this bill from the doctors that's enormous, and now I have to add that into my what now? Finances, right? And it can complicate things for us at times. Now, when I share this with you, it's such a privilege to know that I can pray, and the Lord hears me. He's there to help me. And God promised in his word, the Lord is there to help in my time of need. And, and there's so many promises in the scriptures of him telling you to pray. He tells us to pray without ceasing. He tells us to watch and pray. And multiple times throughout the scriptures, he's telling us that we ought to pray and, and continue in prayer and not stop praying. And the fact is, is that he wants to communicate with you. Solomon here, he ends his prayer, but you look at the length of the prayer that he had in the dedication of the temple. It's amazing. And so there are thoughts that cross my mind. How many of you realize there's billions of people in the world? How many of you realize that, okay? So let's say that there's just maybe, let's say a billion Christians. We'll just give it a billion Christians. Imagine that a billion Christians at one time kneeling down and praying. Now, you tell me we don't have a powerful God. Because you know what he promised me in his word? If we ask anything according to his will, he what? Heareth us. He didn't say one at a time. <laughs> we have an amazing God, don't we? That he can hear every one of us. Every one of us, no matter how many people are praying at one time, God does not fail to hear his people. We have an amazing God, and this God says, I want you to have confidence that if you're asking things according to my will, I hear you. And he said, and if you know that he hear you, whatsoever you ask of him, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. <laughs> How many of you have asked something of God, and you didn't tell anybody else, and you watched God fulfill it? Did you ever have that happen for you? Multiple times in my life, I've watched God do something, and I know I haven't shared it with anybody. And, and I knew I shared it with him, and I watched God do something about it. And, and that solidifies in my mind that I have a great God that listens to me. In Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not uh, of evil, to give you an expected end. And here's what he said. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Think about that word hearken. That means that he'll uh, bring his ear down to you and will pay attention to what you have to say. That's amazing to me. He said of Daniel, he said, Daniel's praying, and he said, Daniel, I heard you the first time you prayed. But he wanted to watch Daniel's faithfulness in action. He said, I heard you the first day you prayed. Now, God may hear us, but he's looking for us to be faithful as well in our prayers, bringing to him these things. He said, then shall you call upon me and shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I ask myself this question, how often have I really searched for my God with all my heart? And God in this wants us to communicate with him. He wants us to speak to him. He wants us to realize that our prayer is communication with him. And no human can say that they, uh, when I think about it, no human that I know can say, I always have your best interest in mind. <laughs> when you go to a car dealership, you think they got your best interest in mind? What do they got in mind? 
I'm going to sell him the most expensive car I can possibly get him to pay for before he leaves this lot. He don't have your best interest in mind. And he says to you, he may say questions like this, what are the benefits and features that you want? <laughs> Do you know what he's trying to weigh out? How expensive of a car does this person really want? And then he's going to go on the back and find out what you can afford. And what it is is that we get to that place where we want, we desire, we want to consume it upon our own flesh, our own lust, and we pray for things that are not necessarily things that God desires to even give to us at times. But God is listening to you. And God wants you to come to him. And God tells us he has your best interest in mind at all times. At all times, he has your best interest in mind. Now, you say, well, he didn't give me what I wanted. Maybe because we didn't need it. <laughs> we didn't need to have that into our life. And so he removes it or doesn't give it to us. When I read Revelation 19.11, and I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. That's our God. <laughs> He's faithful and he's true. His name is called the Word of God. And so when you pick this up, I want you to understand this is true. This is faithful. This is the Word of God. The Bible says the Word and Christ are the same. And what you have in your hand is God's love letter to you. And when you pray to God and you ask God, he's going to answer according to his Word, which is his will. And I want to challenge you to think about your prayer life. We must have faith that his word does not fail. When you're communicating with God and when you're praying with God, you're communicating with the Lord and be confident his word will not fail. The second thought is this, commitment by promises. I looked at this in verses 55 through 58, and he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. And he goes on and he says, The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts unto him to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which, commanded, uh, which he commanded our fathers. Now, the promises of God... Do not fail. By the way, they've never failed, and they will not fail in the future. And when you read your Bible and you pick up the book of Revelation, trust me, it's coming true. It's going to happen. When you pick up things that are still yet future, it's still going to happen. So what is this commitment that we're talking about by God's promises? Well, when you think about a commitment, it's an assurance, is it? Uh, how many of you read or you get a warranty on a box? How many of you believe that warranty? <laughs> How many of you believe whenever uh, they tell you on TV, money back guaranteed, right? And, and you try to get your money back and find out how hard it is to get your money back. I had this tree stand that I really liked. And I'm a hunter, so I love this tree stand that, that was built. And this guy out of uh, North Carolina built these tree stands. And, I mean, all the guys in our area were using them, and they were telling me how great this tree stand is. And, man, I got to use it one time, and I thought, man, this is a great tree stand. And so finally I got the money together and I called the guy up and he said, I'll have that tree stand to you. I can't get it to you before the season starts, but I'll have it to you before the end of the season. I said, man, that's great. I just want one. It was my birthday had come up. I got in the money and I was like, oh, excited. I'm going to get this tree stand. 
So I think I ordered it in like August. So about October, it hadn't come yet. And, and he said it wouldn't come by the start of the season, which was October 1. And, and so I said, well, I'll give him a call and just see what the status is. He said, you know, I'll have it to you in a couple of weeks. I said, really? I said, well, that's great. A couple of weeks went by and I didn't get it. And so now we're into November and I called him again and I just want to know where's my tree stand. And he said, well, he said, we got kind of backed order. We got kind of backlogged. And, and so in November, I had no tree stand. So I went through the entire month of November. And in December, I called him around December 5th or so and said, hey, just trying to follow up with you. You know, I just, I know you're a little back ordered or whatever. I wanted to see where my tree stand is. He said, well, we're way backed up. And he said, I had some ordered some parts and stuff. And I'm waiting for those to come in. And he said, uh, but, uh, but I'll have it to you within a week. I said, Okay, so I hung up the phone. January 15th, I call him back, and January 15th, my tree stand wasn't done. February 5th, I call him, and I said, hey, Rob, I want my money back. He said, just hold on. I'll get your tree stand to you. I said, no, you won't. I said, I don't even expect it to get it by my birthday. He said, I promise you I'll get it to you. I said, no, you won't. I said, I want my money back. And he said, well, he said, we're just so back to order. And he started explaining to me why he hadn't got me my tree stand yet. March rolled around and I still hadn't got my money back. And I said, Rob, listen, called him again, left him a message and said, I'm calling the Better Business Bureau. And he said, I don't want you doing that. He said, I'll get that tree stand to you. And I said, no, you won't. I said, I want my money back. So anyway, in all the process of this, he finally sends me a check. And it's just a personal check. It's not a business check. <laughs> So I took that personal check to a bank of his, not mine. I took it to his bank and cashed that check. Now, you want to know why? His commitment was false, wasn't it? From the time he started making commitments, it was false. It was a lie. He never intended on buying or getting me a tree stand. In fact, what I found out is his business was failing. It was going under, and he didn't even really have the money to get to me. And so he was looking to get people to invest in his company. That's what he wanted. Commitments. Now, that's like a dirty word today, isn't it? But I want you to know when God commits something, that dedication, that devotion, that duty, that faithfulness, that guarantee, that loyalty, that promise isn't going to be broken. He will not break his promise to us. And so when I look to the scriptures, I believe we have a God that's so get dedicated to you and me throughout his word. He commits promises and he keeps those promises. And think about this. Consider the confidence that Solomon had as he, as he goes through this prayer. He had so much confidence in God. And in verse 57, you say, well, he, he says there, the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us. He knew he wouldn't. He knew God wasn't going to leave them nor forsake them. And he said that he may incline our hearts unto him. He knew they had to draw close to him. And listen, if you do not want that to happen in your life, if you don't want to feel distant from God, then you draw nigh unto him, and he'll draw nigh unto you. And, and the distance that you have often is you walking away from God. Let the Lord allow you to test him. See if he lets you down. God has never, never never let me down. He's always fulfilled his promises in my life. When I think about it, how many do you know personally who have left or forsaken the Lord? How many of you in here know somebody's just walked away from God? Anybody in here? You know people that have just walked away from God. They're not following him. They're not looking to him. They're not listening to him anymore. They've walked away from God. And often they walk away because they feel like God didn't give them what they wanted and therefore God didn't fulfill their promise. And that's not true. Sometimes God keeps us from things that may be more harmful to us than we understand. 
I had a friend tell me, he said, you know, uh, give me a million dollars. If God loves me, he'll give me a million dollars. I said, no, God probably won't give you a million dollars because he does love you. Amen. Because you wouldn't know what to do with it. And the thing of it is, is that we think that we know what we need. And the reality is, is God knows exactly what we need. Now, let me give you a couple of thoughts for this, okay? When you think about this for a moment, Joshua 21, 45. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord uh, had spoken all came to pass. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken all came to pass. He says that in Joshua 21, 45. He says in Joshua 23, 14. You know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you and not one thing hath failed thereof. <laughs> and he goes on in Deuteronomy 31, 6 and it says, For the Lord thy God, he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I want to have you have this in your heart tonight. When you walk out of here tonight... We don't have just any God. We have the God of heaven. And the God that we serve will not fail you. He will not forsake you. He will not do that to you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, He is your God. He is your Father. He is there for you, and He will not fail you, and He will not forsake you. And I thought about how things might not be going as planned. Anybody ever been there? Not going exactly as I planned. And we think God's failed us because it's not going exactly as planned. Uh, they may not be going well for you, but I can assure you this. God still wants to hear from you. When things aren't going well, he wants to hear from you. You know what? He wants to hear from you when things are going well. Do you know that God wants to hear from you every day? He has a love relationship that he wants with you, an intimate relationship. He wants to talk with you. He wants to communicate with your heart. He wants to help you. He wants to let you see that he is there to help you even in troubled times. He'll help you carry you through them. And the thing of it is, is that our God, the God that we serve, will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord's will will not fail you. He's true. He's faithful. His promises will be fulfilled. So, Here's the thing. Stand confidently on his promises. Stand confident in who God is. Not in what we're capable of. Not in what we know, but who he is. Stay confident in him. The last thought is this. Care by God's protection. Verses 59 through 61, he said, And let these, my words, wherewith I have made supplication before the Lord, be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night, that he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel at all times as the matter shall require that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. Let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. The Bible teaches us some wonderful lessons here. And this is, is that God's protection is there for us. God cares about us and his protection is there for us. We ought to walk confident that God cares for us and protects us every day. These in my mind, are such comforting words when I read the Bible and I realize that God's there on my behalf. He's there for me at all times. There is not a time that I can't kneel down and pray or that I can't pray to God and speak with my Heavenly Father. He's always open unto me. And He's willing to listen to me speak to Him. And, and anything that troubles my heart, anything that I feel uh, uncomfortable about or afraid of or scared of or any of those things, God's there to protect you from those things. 
And, and so when I read the scriptures, these are such comforting words from knowing that, that God is, is there and his constant care is available to us all the time. He's always watching over us. There's not a time he's not. And, and the thing of it is, is that there are times when we walk away from him and we put ourselves in harm's way. When we reject him, when we don't listen to him. And his hand of protection is there. He's there for you, but we reject his protection at times. And we go our own way. And when that protection is gone, we say, God, why did you let this happen to me? But it's us walking away from him. It's not him walking away from us. Sometimes we're in a mess because of our own doing. Now, think about it. The Bible states he maintains the cause of his servant at all times. The Lord's watching out for you. If he's maintaining our cause, if he's maintaining his servant's cause, that means he's looking out for you. He's watching out for you at all times. And so being unprotected by God brings fear. And you think about it. Uh, not knowing makes you uncomfortable, doesn't it? How, how many of you have the not knowing syndrome sometimes? You don't know, and so it causes you to become uncomfortable, doesn't it? I don't know what the end of this is going to be, and therefore I'm, I'm uncomfortable about it. And, and we can get to that place because it's unknown. We don't know what's going to happen, and therefore we allow our minds to tell us stuff that may not even be so may not even be true. And we allow ourselves to get to that place where we get so worked up about things that may not even be so. Not knowing is uncomfortable, but knowing that the Lord is near, that should comfort our hearts, that he's close to us. And, and the thing of it is, is if you go in and read James, he said, submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto you. He tells us, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify ye hearts, you double-minded. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. He tells us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. And God tells us that he's there for us. He cares about us. He wants to protect us. God protects us. And surely when something should have happened and did not, I think that's just a testimony to God. That is a testimony to him doing something about it. Uh, we had a gentleman named Ed. We were uh, going to a camp, Camp Rapidan. And uh, Ed Caldwell was with us, and Ed, grown man, and uh, <clears throat> we were going to this camp, and we were taking the, the kids to camp, and, and Ed was on the bus, and, and uh, we had, had to stack some stuff, and we had a trailer, and it was an open trailer, and something had flown off the back of that trailer. And the bus stopped, and Ed said, I'll get out, I'll get it. And, and I was sitting right behind the driver, right to my left. I could look right down to the ground. And I saw Ed get out of the bus, and for whatever reason, there was a car following us, and it decided it was going to pass the bus. Ed didn't see it. And I just recall looking down, I saw it, and I couldn't even scream, the window's up, you know. And I'm thinking, what's going to happen to Ed? Ed jumped out, and he went to run right out into the road, and the car at that same time was right there when Ed was. And I thought for sure the next moment we're going to be picking Ed up off the pavement. I know what I saw, <laughs> right? And I know our mind can play tricks on us. But I watched Ed go like this. And that car went right by him. Never touched him. And in a second, Ed just threw himself straight out. He put his arms straight out. He put his feet straight up. And I watched that car go right by Ed. Now, it didn't go through Ed, it didn't, you know, the car didn't do one of the, you know, raise the wheels up and it went over it like in the cartoons or nothing like that. No, Ed just simply, 
I think God grabbed a hold of him and just pulled him straight up in the air like this. His feet went straight up. His arms went like this. And he got up on his tippy toes. I mean, I watched it happen. That car went right by him. I believe the hand of God's protection is on people at times. And we miss out on it sometimes because we're so caught up in the world. And God's hand of protection is there. Hey, what about a terminal illness? And you've heard somebody called with a terminal illness. What about that little fellow that we had just been praying for here recently who drank that, that milk and, and, and had all those problems? He drank that raw milk. And now he's out of the hospital. They were saying death was certain in this kid's life. And, and, and you look at all the things that can happen and the potential things that are out there, and, and you think not only about terminal illness or uh, car accidents or catastrophes, anything that could potentially happen. And if you think God's not real and his hand of protection is not on you, we really need to rethink that. We have a great God. We have a God who protects. I got to thinking about God shares with us his protection. He provides and encourages us to keep our heart right with him and to walk in his ways and to keep his word. And the idea here is, is this is not something that's yet future. This is something that we do at all times ourselves. It's now that we do this, not sometime in the future. And when I got to verse 60, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. Do you know our role and responsibility as a church? <laughs> that the earth may know that the Lord is God. And there's none else. That's why we're here. When I look at this, Solomon dedicating the temple was reminding the people of God and all that he's done and that he will do all that he said he was going to do. And his only desire is, will you walk closely with me? <laughs> will you walk closely with me? Let me remind you, that God's done some great things here at Calvary. Amen? Amen? I look around and I see the things that he's done. The last uh, 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 six weeks, 11 people have been saved. You think God's in the saving business? <laughs> Amen? God's still doing a work. I met with Preston today. I want you to pray for him. He's asking me to disciple him. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? That's God doing something. And James and June, I want you to continue to pray for them. I don't think Julie's here by accident tonight. I think God brought her here on purpose. I think she brought those kids on purpose. God intervened today. Hey, listen, God's still in the miracle business. We just think the miracles ought to be the Red Sea parting all the time, and it's not necessarily so. But God's at work. God's doing things. And when I think about the work of our Lord, I want you to consider something. Consider your ways. Are you walking daily as you should with Him? Does the Lord have you uh, looking to Him daily for His care, for His uh, uh, touch in your life for, for the fact that he's looking for you and wanting you to come and to pray with him. And here's the thing. When God's hand is on you, I wanted you to turn to a verse. I'm going to end it with this. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. And we'll end with this verse tonight. 1 Peter chapter 5. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Look at verse 7, chapter 5 of 1 Peter in the New Testament. 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 7. The Bible says, casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. And then he goes on and he makes this statement. Be sober. That means have some self-control, by the way. It's not about getting drunk or anything like that at all. It's just be, be sober. Have some, have some uh, you know, 
self-control. He said, be sober, be vigilant. That means stay after it. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Now notice verse 9. Whom resist? Steadfast in the faith. You resist Satan by your faith. That's how you do it. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But notice verse 10. But the God of all grace. How much grace does he provide? (laughs) All grace. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. God cares for you. You can see God's hand in your life, casting your care upon him, staying in control, and you do that by your faith, by who he is. Now, you can walk in the care of God's protection because his word does not fail. Amen? How many cares do you cast upon him? All of them. Why? Because he cares about you. I want you to spend a few minutes in prayer. Heads are bowed.